2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with the, God, with the Lord, with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that your word would be written on our hearts. And that your spirit would impress upon us the wonders of your grace in Christ and transform us by that grace into being a people who live by your grace. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. How was your Christmas? Maybe it was a good one when you received everything you wanted. Maybe it was an expensive one, and uh, you're having to be a little more more careful with your money now. Maybe it was a sad one for some, missing someone who has shared Christmas with you in the past, and you miss so much this year. Christmas is about sharing. It's about sharing with those you love, particularly sharing with family, and it's about giving and receiving gifts. And of course we give and receive gifts at Christmas because we celebrate the most wonderful, the most precious of all gifts that was ever given when God gave us his own son. And the amazing generosity of God is summed up by the Apostle Paul in this one last verse that was read this morning. An amazing verse. In a few words, Paul packs together all that God has done for us in Christ. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What an amazing verse. 
It takes our breath away. Jesus, says Paul, was rich. The most wealthy person in the world, I gather, is Bill Gates, the owner and founder of Microsoft. He has, I, I gather, having looked it up this week, he has about £70 billion. That's enough, more than enough, to give everyone in the United Kingdom a thousand pounds each. Now that's rich, isn't it? But that's nothing, nothing compared to the riches of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one through whom and for whom all things were made. I don't know whether you grew up singing the chorus, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold in every mine. And he owns far more than that. He owns the hills themselves, the mines themselves, the whole of this world with all its treasures, the whole universe with its infinite treasures. He owns it all. And he was the one who was rich in glory, who received the adoration and worship of myriads upon myriads of angels. Can you imagine the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ? They defy belief and understanding, don't they? But Paul says... He gave up all of this for us. Yet for your sake, says Paul, he became poor. Frank Houghton wrote the hymn which says, Lord, you are rich beyond all splendour, yet for love's sake became so poor. Leaving your throne in glad surrender, sapphire paved courts for stable floor. Lord, you are rich beyond all splendour, yet for love's sake became so poor. We're reminded, aren't we, even by this uh, nativity set, we're reminded that Jesus, when he was born, was not born in a palace. He was born in a stable. And he wasn't laid to rest in a golden cot covered with jewels. He was laid in a grubby manger where cattle had been feeding on the straw. He became poor. And when he grew up he became a carpenter. One who earned his bread through the sweat of his own labour. And when he began his public ministry and others wanted to follow him, he warned them. He said, the foxes have their holes, the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He became poor. 
and he became poor for us. He came and identified with us. He came and lived as we live. He came and learned what it was to be like us in every way except for sin. He came to reveal to us in his humanity the heart and character of the living God. And more than that, he went to the cross for us, as we'll be remembering in a while in our communion service. He went to the cross for us. He so identified with us in all our sin that though he was without sin, he paid the price for sin and hung there on the cross to die. He hung there naked on the cross. The Lord of glory, stripped of everything, dying in poverty and in shame. He did it for us. And Paul says that he did it for us so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He came and took a place of poverty, identifying with us, that we might be rich as he is rich, for he has returned to glory, risen from the dead, defeating sin and death, returned to the adoration of angels, returned to the embrace of the Father, and he has done it all for us, that in him we too might own the cattle on a thousand hills and the gold in every mine. Paul writes to the Corinthians and tells them, all things are yours if you belong to Christ. All things are yours. He did it that we might know the riches of sins forgiven. No more condemnation. The ability to come before God with boldness because we are free of sin. He did it for us that we might know the riches of the embrace of the Father. I love those words that we were singing just now. By your blood I come, welcomed as your own, into the arms of majesty that we might know the embrace of the Father, accepted in the Beloved, that we might know the ministry of angels. I'm not sure what that means, but it's part of our inheritance in him, that we might have the promise of glory, glory to come. We are rich beyond measure. Do we realise it? Have we begun to realise the riches that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ because of this great transaction that he became as we are, that we might become as he is. You are our God beyond all praising, yet for love's sake became a man, stooping so low, but sinners raising heavenwards by your eternal plan. You are our God beyond all praising, yet for love's sake became a man. 
In these verses, Paul reminds the Christians at Corinth of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure you've been told very often that the word grace, the letters of that word, can be thought of as God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's precisely what this verse proclaims. That the grace of Christ is seen in this, the riches of the living God poured out upon us at Christ's expense, streaming to us from him through his birth, stooping to our level and becoming like us, through his life, showing us the character of the living God, through his death, atoning for our sin, giving us freedom forgiveness through his resurrection to glory for us the grace of Christ Paul reminds the Corinthian Christians of these things because he wants them to live by grace that this grace that they have received might shape their own lives and that they might live out of grace live by grace being like Christ living generously, not hoarding to themselves, but gladly sharing what they have with others. Paul's taking up a collection. He's collecting monies, money from the churches where he has ministered throughout the Gentile world, not for himself, but to send as a love gift to poor Jewish Christians in Judea. There's more of that next week. I'll leave that to Nigel. But Paul in these verses brings a wonderful example of the Christians in Macedonia to the north of Corinth and how they have responded to God's grace. In verses 1 to 5 of this chapter. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. They've been affected by grace. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able. And even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us also. Picture this. People who were not rich, in many ways they were poor, but pleading with Paul that they might have the privilege of giving what they had, some of what they had, to help out brother and sister Christians, Jewish Christians, who were poorer than they were. Pleading with them, give us this, enable us to have this joy of giving out of what we have. Because they've been touched by the grace of God. And Paul wants these Corinthian Christians to behave in the same way. To live out of the grace that God has shown them. Generous lives poured out to touch the lives of others. 
And in these verses, God speaks to us also today. We have received the riches of God's grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace upon grace. And we are then to live out of that grace, generous lives that overflow towards others so that the grace we have received might flow to others in meeting their needs also. May God help us to be such people in this year ahead for his name's sake.